0: God is good, amen. Do you know, we were reading through the book of Romans, weren't we, this week and, uh, and last week, and uh, I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian and I tried to read a book of Romans, it was like trying to read Hebrew or something. I just found it so. I found the language of it as a new Christian, just, just trying to get my head around um, Romans was always, a, was always a bit of a challenge to me. And uh, it's like it feels like it's a weighty book. It it is a weighty book. It's like one of the bedrocks of theology of the New Testament. And it seems, and you know, especially at that time, it felt like trying to read a legal document. (laughs) That's that's the much weight that I had on it. That it was this was binding. This was this was expressive. This was like. just something that that carried a whole lot with it, and Romans is one of the, it's probably one of the most quotable books in the whole Bible, you know, written by Paul, um, who probably wrote more than half of the New Testament, after the the Gospels, um, but by far one of the just deepest like theological books that um, we have, and and sometimes like um like. Over the years, you sort of, there's certain parts of the church family that loves Romans. You know, people, churches that are real and movements that are real word-based love Romans. You know, it's like Romans is for nearly the intellectual in the family or the intellectuals or those with the most understanding. You read, you know who I'm talking about. That's the way it comes across when, 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 when. Luther had his, ref- uh, had his uh, reformation and his revelation. Do you know what I mean? The, the reformed churches love Romans. It's like this is, this is it. This is everything that we dreamed of and, and we have together. Um, John Chrysantium said this. Romans is unquestionably the fullest, deepest of all sacred foundational truths. He put a lot of weight on Romans. Martin Luther called Romans... The chief part of the New Testament. I told you these guys are really into it. The chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel. He said, I would say that Romans 8 is the the chief of the chapters and the center of the purest of gospel. You don't really associate it with the book of Acts. Holy Spirit stuff. We sort of, somehow we allow the word of God to be dissected. And certain sections of the family likes this bit. And certain sections of the family like this bit. But the word of God is the word of God. It's the full counsel. You can't separate and go word into, you know. It's all right with intellectualism, it's all right, we're understanding, but it's not all right if we only want that. And it's not all right if we only want the Book of Acts. We just came out of the Book of Acts, that's why it's so... But Romans 8 was quoted a lot um, today, and uh, I read a lot over the last couple of weeks, and, and I decided and felt to preach from Romans 8. I was in home church on um, Friday night and sort of brought it there. And, um, and then this morning, just, just don't, not, not, not to go there. But the Romans 8, you ever see the first part of it? Anyone know the first part? It's probably one of the most quotable things. For therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know, oh, my, it's not back there, it's there. Therefore, look at look at this is the Romans. This is the translation I read. Therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. It's not even there in God's heart. It's not even there. And then when you get to the other end, you can leave them there for a minute. When you get to the other end of Romans, so like this is one book end. There's no condemnation. And then at the end, you know that one, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So Romans, if it was two books, it'd have, if it was on a bookshelf, it would have one bookend here and one bookend here. And on one, there's no condemnation. And on the other end, there's no separation. And everything in between those verses is jam-packed with promises, truths, expressions of God's heart for you and for me. And it's like you know, I said a book ends right. Probably is more like a big sandwich, like a Scooby Doo snack, if you remember one of them. It's just full of goodness and mercy and the heart of God. But yeah, here's one that in Romans eight alone, if you're reading the ESV version, it's 22 times in the Holman's version. 20 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. I don't think there's another chapter in all of the Bible. Maybe John, maybe maybe Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit and John might probably have a bit of a challenge to it. But I can't remember off the top of my head like where the Holy Spirit is mentioned 20 times in one chapter. You can see it. Oh, that used to be on up there, didn't it? You can see it. seems to be all over Romans 8 Paul letting us know really that none of this is possible without the Holy Spirit none of the truths and the promises that without the Holy Spirit you, we will walk in condemnation we will live as orphans we will not be able to call out Abba Father we will live as slaves without the Holy Spirit and Paul is saying now this is where the source of all the power is to live as sons and daughters of God is in the Holy Spirit. I was so impressed with Rob at the elders meeting, student, meeting during the morning. We were just, you know, as elders praying for you guys. I want you to know what you're praying for. Please know that there's a group that was on their knees five mornings a week from 6 to 7 a.m. And we pray for you. And I tell you what our expression is. As the people of liberty wake up this morning, Lord. And then whatever comes out there. Would you let them hear your voice? Would you let them know they're loved? Would you encourage them? Would you embrace them? All of that. Please know, if you know nothing else, that we pray. And not only us on the mornings. The pastors um, training Tuesday night. The elders on Friday morning. And we were praying on Friday morning. We were just discerning what God has been doing over the last couple of weeks. And Rob just launches out, like, you know, with, he must have quoted 30 scriptures about the Holy Spirit. It's like, he's it's like, it's like, he's the forgotten part of the Trinity. This is Rob's language. And he starts, without the Holy Spirit, it is without. And I'm like, go on, you Pentecostal preacher. The only scripture I could think he didn't say was in Revelations where the bride and the Holy Spirit says, Come Lord Jesus. Listen to what A.W. Tozer said. The spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It's part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. That's worth reading again. The spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition, let's say, I'll add in, for the Pentecostals or Charismatics. It is part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. R.C. Steadman said this. Remember that grace and truth cannot finally, finally be crucified. Remember that all the high things that make humanity beautiful cannot be forever laid in the dust." Spattered with blood, and most of all, remember that he who rose from the dead rose to pour out his Holy Spirit into human lives, and by that Spirit to make available to any individual all the fullness of himself 24 hours a day. Wow! And it's by the Spirit that these truths are ours and can come alive. Patrice mentioned revelation a few minutes ago. Remember? She knew a father God. She knew God was a father. But it takes revelation to enter into the truth of what's there forever and ever. I was with a fellow yesterday sitting at his dinner at his table and he says, I don't know whether God loves me or not. He says, but I know God loves me, but I don't know whether he loves me. Now that's a strange conundrum. You know what you don't know. He knows it's written. But he says, I don't know it by experience. So I know it, but I don't know it. So I'm sitting there with a package of fig rolls in front of me. I says, and, and I got revelation. I said I started reading the package, the ingredients, the makers, the little slogan on it. It wasn't fig rolls, so I don't know what the slogan is. I know I know it was it wasn't Jacob's I mean. And I says, Look at that, you know that's there. You know that's a package. You know the ingredients. You know the maker's trustworthy. You know it was bought with a price. You know all that stuff. You know they're there. But if you look at that forever and just, I know they're there. You have to taste them to experience what the maker wanted you to experience. So I opened them. I confess I had four of them. <laughs> Brought the rest home with me. This is what, Paul is saying in Romans eh? 8, and this is where I think some of the body, and there's always excesses in all of the body of Christ, we know that. There has been. But I think when we just rest on truth, well, then we can know all this stuff and not experience this stuff. But I believe that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. And he comes to spring words that are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we know. Your man is good. That we know. That we know. We don't know about it. We know it in experience. And you can't make that happen and I can't make that happen because you know what the reality is? It's, it's the Spirit of God that makes that happen. So I can think about 20 different words for the father instead of father. I'm sure people call their dads all different types of names. I mean affectionate names. But I won't know. The ex- I cannot make it up. I cannot settle for fake. I cannot settle for what's... I, I wrote something this week and I just said, when I give my life to the Lord, I said, Lord, I want you for real. I want you for real. I don't want I love your experiences but I want mine I want truth manifested I want truth God is not someone just to be believed in God is someone to be experienced and Paul is telling us look at just some of these um, Romans 8 2 you can I think they're going to come up there I don't know whether you can see them from there but I can from where you are but that first one says the spirit is the spirit, Romans 8-2. The spirit is the spirit of life. Yeah, because it's not by might. All of this is not by might or by power, but by the spirit of God. And the spirit of God brings us into the, it's in, the spirit of life. He talks about the contrasting is the, is the spirit of, 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 of law, of sin and death. Sin and death condemns us, but the spirit of life sets us free in Christ Jesus. And you know in this chapter Paul says about the law, the law that he says the law is weak. But he wasn't saying that the law is weak because it's no good. He says the law weak is weak this, because the law tells you not to do something. And the law tells you to do something. But the law doesn't give you the power to do it or not to do it. And he was saying therefore the law is weak because it says don't do, thou shalt not. You should do this. You shall honour your mother and father. It tells you what to do and not to do. But it hasn't got the power to give you to actually do what it's telling you to do. But he's saying that the spirit of life, he doesn't only tell us to love one another, he gives us his love so that we can love one another. Bill. The spirit is opposed to the flesh. He talks about having our minds set on The spirit and the things of the spirit rather than on the things of the flesh. I don't know about you, but my flesh is living and active. It only takes the spirit of God to get me away from being selfish and wanting my own way. I can't do it. It's it's like in and of myself. It's like flesh fighting flesh. But it only begets flesh. Flesh. So he's saying like that like that the the spirit that enables us to overcome that selfishness and that old nature. It's only by the spirit. And he says it brings us into life and peace. Romans 8 4 to 6 there. That like because what's in that old nature, what's in them old ways? There's death and destructive behavior and destructive and selfish living. I'm talking about me, this is my testimony. But when I'm in and have my mind set on the things of the Spirit, I walk in peace and life. And there's a part I can't get away from that in and of myself. But in the Holy Spirit, I can live a life. And a life of peace. Look at the next eight, to eight verse 11. Those with the Spirit belong to God. Belong to God. That we are His that we are his we belong to him and it's the spirit that enables us to cry out Abba Father I can't even do that in love of myself because I'm going to start looking at God the Father through my own lens and what I think and what I don't think and what I've experienced and not experienced it's only by the spirit of God that the one who named all the stars knows my name Knows your name. The one who created heaven and earth. And I can know that as a truth, which is amazing. But I want to experience it as a manifestation in my life. The Spirit, same Spirit will raise us from the dead, boom. Number six, yeah. All who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. I was looking at that bit today and I was like, Lord, release us into um, being led by the Spirit because it's the most adventurous life. It genuinely is. I was on a a slide. My daughter Naomi got me to go up on a slide in Florida. They were only little ones and she wanted to go up. And Naomi is real. She'll do something like that. And we got her up to it. She looked down. She says, Dad, I don't want to do that. Will you do it? Well, I didn't want to look like a wimp in front of me, I want to show where real man was. And I sat down on the yoke and I looked down and I just, I just went. And on the way down I was repenting. I kid you, I promise you, every sin. Lord, have I done nothing wrong? You know, known or unknownly, like that type, I'm meeting my death, I'm meeting my maker. I was not on the slide. I don't know how it works, gravity, but I'm awaiting the slide. Like, I know that slide's not behind me, and I'm going right down, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please forgive me of everything I've ever done, Lord. You know, like, I was, like, on the way down, you start to hit the thing again, and for good measure, you always end up with a wedgie. (laughs) I I kid you not, and there's people on the other end taking photographs of people coming down getting the wedgie. Now, if someone could just help me, tell me how I went there. There was it, When I got down, it was full of joy. And I was like, look what i done. And I showed my daughter I could do these things. It was scary, death-defying, but accelerating. And that's what it is to be led by the Spirit of God. Hey, it's scary. I know it's scary if God says, go over and tell that stranger I love him. I love her. I know when he says, pray, Owen, and I know that I'm a human being. I have I've no measure on this. But exhilarating something in it. I remember we baptized the loads of people out there in Bray. Oh, my goodness. I was under the water 10 times before we baptized anyone. We went out when the, that, the waves were coming in. Do you remember, trees? On my face in front of everybody. I walked out and the waves blew me in, threw me on my face. And after all, baptized. I remember Tom O'Court's man. Two elderly ladies I baptized that day. I remember we went into the place to dry off and get. we got Cups of tea and, and my body was electric and I remember thinking that's what, that's what surfers must feel the cold, the fear the battered by the waves the enormity of the waves but yeah man, I'm alive the spirit testifies we're God's children we have the first fruits of the spirit, Paul says A 823 Having the spirit is, the, in this way, causes us to groan inwardly, along with creation, as we await for the sons and daughters to stand up. That there's something in us. Do you ever wonder why the earth is groaning and moaning? Do you ever wonder why there's volcanic eruptions and all the things that we see? It's the earth groaning and longing for the sons and daughters of God to arise. Hey! Come on and realize who you are in him. And it's not boy, my. That's what I want to tell you. All of the trying. It's about surrender in the kingdom. It's about submission in the kingdom. It's about laying aside your knowledge for revelation. And I think He's made it easy for us there, because I can't open my own eyes. No wonder Paul all through his letters pray, Revelation, Revelation, open the eyes of our heart. Let us understand the length and the depth and the breadth and the whatever the miss wit of the love of God. Let us know, Lord. Let us know this. Open our eyes. Give us understanding, Lord. You give us understanding instead of me, along with me gaining understanding. He was saying that without the Holy Spirit we can't do this. That's Romans 8. But in the Spirit we have all these things. That's why Jesus says go and wait. That's why he said it. He says lads you've seen me. You heard me calling God Father. You knew I walked in the, in the if we can say it, in the adventures of God. Now go and wait because this is for you. This is for you. So what's our role? Is to wait. Lord, I'm gonna do what you said. You know there's no other place in the whole of the New Testament that I can find. That's not saying it's not there. Where Jesus told them to go to wait for the manifestation of of the kingdom on earth, other than an upper room. He didn't change that. He didn't change that to a temple. He never changed that to a to a building. So there's a place where I'm going to manifest my presence and it's in a house somewhere what does that mean that we can all make a an upper room we can all find a place to wait and it was while they were there and while they were praying while they were ministering to God while they were worshipping that the Holy Spirit came when the Holy Spirit came they spoke in other language when the Holy Spirit came others heard people speaking in their language like we, we we read, you know, that they, they heard all that and went out and evangelized. That's the way I would have always read it. But they were there ministering to God. They were declaring the works of God. To God. Look how great you are. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came revelation, understanding, and they start ministering to God, declaring the wonders of what He done. Can you imagine the revelation of the cross they were getting at that moment? Yet they had to grow in it, yet they had to gain more understanding. But at that moment, and it was when they were worshipping God, an environment was set for 3,000 people to come to know him. It wasn't they got filled with the Holy Spirit and went down. We missed about two, two verses. They were worshipping God. And what's our role is to go and say, Lord, here I am. So there's no secrets. If you paid money on any TV station for the three secrets of God or something, I'll borrow a book to get more of God. Or I'll just take every penny you have and I'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Those who wait upon the Lord. Jesus says, go and wait. And he promises that he will meet us. Fill us. That we get filled to fulfill. Without them being filled, they were never going to fulfill the Great Commission. So it's like we're bunched around the Holy Spirit. And we, can, we could have a great move of God here this morning, but tomorrow, it's in the car, where there's no big shakes. It's like, Lord, here I am. That's all I do. I don't know about you. That's all I do. Here I am. And he always, no, I can't say he always meets me there and then. That would be telling a lie but he always meets me. It could be 10 hours later in the car or driving up a road or walking down the street and something happens in God that you could have never imagined. It's not about you. Do you ever pray and fast and you're like, no, God's going to move? doesn't do anything. But a week later, something happens. I don't know what's all about on his timing, but it's his timing. So let's pray. Oh, Lord, and we declare that it's not by might or by power but by your spirit. And Patrice prayed for open ears.